2: We're back and joining me, I promise you guys, an old friend. Uh, it's like yesterday, I remember, he and I at 1240 AM WGBB and Mike would answer the phones and such luminaries as Gary Carter, Daryl Strawberry would answer. It was kind of surreal. He was producing the show, it used to be like, kind of like how Gary Delabate pops in on Howard Stern, Mike would pop in, but he's joining me now, Mike Amarabili, fresh off a plane, coming from Port St. Lucie, Fantasy Camp Week, and we're going to talk about that and Get a feel about what he and other campers feel about the Mets and the experience. So, Mike, welcome back. Uh, you know, you don't age a day. It's like, and I'll tell the story to listeners. I could picture you. I know Mike from like the early '90s when we played yeah. Sandlot ball and you played for St. Anthony's. I could see that left-handed kind of quarter delivery coming at me, and I'm watching you on Facebook with the thick pictures of you with various Mets luminaries. And you haven't an aged a day, and you're still out there pitching. How are you doing? Good,
0: good. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, It's uh, all's going well. I just got back from uh, two weeks in Port St. Lucie, and uh, the best. You did two
2: two weeks weeks back to back. Back to back this year. Yep. So how does that work? Because I did now all truth. I did two thousand seven. I did one week, and it was a workout. So you paid for two weeks, and it was the same team, or is it like different groups and what have you? How does it work? So give the listeners an idea of how this thing works uh, uh, down at Mets Fantasy Camp.
0: Yeah. So uh, it starts on uh, Sunday, goes through Friday. And um, you have different campers that come in each week. Uh, some campers, maybe about a dozen or so, do both weeks, but most just do one week. And uh, so you play eight games in uh, four days. And so you get down there on Sunday, which is just a day. That every they day is do a doubleheader,
2: right? Doubleheader. Yes. So it's every morning and evening. every day is a doubleheader. Yep.
0: Uh, Sundays you get down there. It's an evaluation where they look at you, you know, the outfield, the infield, hitting and pitching. Uh, then Monday, and then they make teams based on, um, I guess you know, skill level, and they try to make the teams even so that there are no, you know, teams that kind of run away with it, and no teams that are really bad. Although my, we this year both my teams are one and seven, so uh, I wow. Guess they, they so
2: should... you've won the championship in prior years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? my
0: first year, my first year we wow. won the championship. I was uh, very lucky, and I haven't gotten close since. Um, but then Monday through Thursday, double headers, and then Friday is a day where they do a home run derby and uh you get to hit against the pros. So some of the ex pros come and pitch and then you get a chance to, you know, get an at-bat against those guys. So it's always a fun time.
2: Now now where I remember, you know, you play against the pros, that's at the main field. That's at where the Mets play spring training, but everything else right. is in the backfield. So the home run derby, you got guys hitting the ball out of there? in the home run so no
0: so a couple of things i guess that changed since you did it in 07 is so we no longer play the game against the pros it used to be i guess a three inning game now um they just do you get a chance to hit against the pro um no game um and the home run derby they move they put cones out to make the field maybe about 250 all around rather than actually hitting it out of the park yeah although a couple of guys did hit uh hit home runs out of the park the past couple of weeks so it does happen on occasion
2: Now for those listening. So I go down at, at the time I get a gift to go down and this is 2007. So I hadn't picked up a bat probably since 1993. So it's 14 years at that point, I hadn't played anything, maybe played a little bit, uh, you know, batting cage and, you know, you know, in, in, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn. So maybe a little bit of that Sponge ball, you're still playing in the, you know, the public school parking, uh, you know, in the, in the schoolyard, but, I get down there and I talk about the tryout. And I'm like, whoa, this is a lot more serious than I thought. You know, Yeah. Mickey Brantley was there teaching me hitting. If you guys remember, Mickey Brantley was the hitting coach for the 99 Mets, former big leaguer. Uh, my manager was Eric Hillman. Um, Dave Racanelli. Yeah, he's still there, Eric. Uh, hope, Dave yep. Racanelli, Mets bullpen catcher, was down there. I think he was actually throwing batting practice when we were doing the tryout. And right away, you know, my – Three days of going to a batting cage at Keith six. Keith Osick, the former Mets catcher, had a batting yeah. cage out here on Long Island. So I went there and, you know, took, you know, 100 swings and oh, I'm ready to go. Like, no, yeah. you're not ready to go. And uh, I wound up going one for 15, got a huge bruise on my thumb for the one yeah. for 15. Really playing the field. Uh, you know, Bobby uh, Bobby Wine was my one of my coaches. He's still why. there. He's still there, Bobby Wine. Years old, he gave me going. he gave me a hard time about a circuitous route I took in left field to watch a fly ball go over my head. Now, most people are are fairly good, but I mean I had a couple of 70 year olds throwing, you know, 82, 83, 80, 45. My one hit was off of the guy that threw pretty hard because I went the other way with it. So um it's not, you know, it's not just some beer league softball here. It's some pretty good competition.
0: Yeah. So, you, I mean, you get any a range of, uh, you know, type of talent. So you can get, it's 30 and over. Um, you have to be 35 and over to pitch. Um, the quality, you know, like you said, the quality of play is pretty good. You get people who play all year round and then you get people who, like you like you said before, you know, they get it as a, you know, 50-year-old, 50, 50 you know, gift from their wife or, you know, spouse or whatever it might be. And, you know, they, they hardly play. So, but the most of the competition is actually pretty good. Um and again, it's uh, you get some women that actually come down as well who could play. Some uh, we had a, a the team that won the first week. I think the shortstop played for the U.S. Olympic softball team. So uh, wow. the talent level is so the is talent level is there. Yeah. Yes,
2: yes. no, they mainly Mets fans because I remember most people are Mets fans, but I think there's some people that do like the the fantasy camp circuit to like almost play in tournaments. I know I know people that do that because there's other teams obviously not just the Mets that right. are fantasy camp.
0: Yep. So you get uh, people who've done other camps. My first year, we had a guy in his 70s who had done about 30 camps, uh, all different teams. And he said that the Mets run the best camp that he went to of all the teams that he saw. So, um, yeah, but mostly Mets fans, um, you know, some some fans from other teams, but mostly Mets fans.
2: Now, there were a bunch of luminaries. I saw that you, you know, Doc was down there. I saw yeah. you with Dylan G. He became buddies with Rodney McRae uh, – not Rodney McRae, Rajay Davis. Rajay who had a, Davis. who had, You know, year. decent big league career, had a little bit of a cup of coffee with the 2019 Mets, had a couple of big hits with the 2019 Mets. Yep. Um, Rodney McRae was there, Rafael Santana. Give me some of the luminaries the fans want to hear. Who did Mike Amarabili well, – while you're out there, you know, and you're, you're still got it, you know, you win MVPs, you can still hit, you can still pitch, you're lefty. You might be able to get a – you know, now with the one-batter rule gone, you might have been able to get a job before the three-batter rule as a lefty. You know, if you could – walk and shoot gum and you're lefty there's got to be a job for you somewhere in baseball but who were the luminaries tell us some stories you got any good stories with the luminaries that are down
0: yeah so first thing is i i, I can't pitch anymore mike I, I thanks for the for the props there but my shoulder is shot i i'd rather just play the outfield at this point so no no pitching for me anymore even though you got, uh, did I, you have I think, capsule surgery just like brandon woodruff or no
2: just just done huh no
0: nah, i think it's just i heard it about 15 years ago i think it's my labrum and I just, I could throw, but it's, it hurts. Yeah. But uh, some of the guys who were down there, so you mentioned, you know, Doc and, and I think Mookie Wilson are the two biggest names, I guess, from the 86 team. But you have Ron Swoboda, um, Duffy Dyer, some of the 69 Mets. Um, Then you have Todd Pratt, Turk Wendell, who's always uh, fun to be around. Always, yeah. I saw you with Turk. Yeah. Uh, Rajay Davis was his first year uh, down there. But some of the other 86 Mets, you had Barry Lyons, uh, Ed Lynch. Raphael Santana, uh, Wally Backman actually came back this year. He was, uh, this was his, my first year that I've seen him. So I've been going there since 17. Um, who else from the 86 team? Randy Neiman was there first week. Yep.
2: And then I actually, somebody- at Randy Neiman in the player versus, you know, amateur game, I get up, Randy Neiman's throwing smoke. This is again, 16 yeah. years ago, lefty on lefty. And I wound up slicing it down the left field line. And he got mad. He got mad. Yeah. He wound up slicing it down the left field line. And I thought that was going to hit the chalk. It went foul. But it was a nice line drive. That's how slow my bat is. Everything's the other yeah. way. And then the next pitch came in. He buzzed me. They get they get competitive. That's what I remember about Randy Neiman when I went down there.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, they listen, they they would play to win, you know. Um, who else? Uh, Nelson Figueroa. He, I I got a chance to bat against him. He still could bring it. He brings in, a, I guess I would say, 80 and mid 80s, and he has some movement on his pitches, so he's very tough to hit. Um, Glendon Rush, um, trying to think of some other, um, uh, Kevin Baez, who have been down there for a long yep. time, yeah, uh, Bill Pulsifer, um,
2: yep, who was on the show just a month ago,
0: yep, yeah, he's, he started going, I think it was in 2020. Um so yeah it's a you know listen there's a, a lot of uh, you know different Mets met from different eras and it's uh, it's a nice uh, mix of Todd Pratt i think i mentioned but a nice uh, group of guys down there all all very welcoming and all very happy to uh you know to come down there they all say they have a good time
2: you know any good do they share any good stories about their playing days anything that you remember or even if it's not this year from prior years you know stories about you know, anything that, you know, fun stuff or anything that stood out to you over the course of your time there?
0: You know, just hearing just some of the, you know, some of the stuff that they tell us, you know, it's kind of like, hey, whatever happens here doesn't leave here. Yeah, so I understand uh, that. Know, it's, um, I understand that. But, you know, just being on the inside and hearing some of the things about baseball that I guess I never knew about, like, you know, um, hearing how, you know, pitches get ready every game and all the work, I guess, that goes into the preparation, I guess, as a fan you don't always appreciate you know you sit you sit down and you watch a game and you know you, you comment and you complain about how they are not playing well and i don't think fans realize how much work actually goes into you know these players getting ready and and they're athletes and it's it's a lot of work and and i get a feel for it for you know a week out of a year going down there and i granted i play a doubleheader which you know maybe they don't do but it's tough getting ready every day and to try to be ready to play baseball 162 games. I think fans don't always appreciate that. So um yep. just getting that feel is, 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 I mean, and they
2: put you, they put you through the workout. You got a locker, you know, you're doing, yes. uh, you know, even though you play double header, you know, you'll have lunch, but you're not going back to the hotel and sleeping. No. They're going to get you to work out. Like when I would get back, and I think there's one day they give you like a day off, like day three or something. I don't know if they still do that, where they give you a no. night off. There's yeah, like a no. night off where you could go out and have dinner with your spouse if they're there or just hang out. You know, some yeah. people go to the PGA Village and they, uh, you know, they, you know, they room with other people. But uh, I remember some of the fun stuff that that was also, you know, the dinners. You know, I remember sitting next to Guy Conte, who was at, you know, at that time was the Mets bullpen coach. So here it is after the 06 season, sitting next to Guy Conte at dinner. Uh, the the kangaroo court. are they still doing the kangaroo court? They still uh, do it. Yeah, it's. Still did you get time. fined at all? Did you get any fines in the kangaroo they, court? You know, I haven't. You know,
0: eight years, seven years, I've been going eight camps. Um, never been fined, and uh hopefully it stays that way. But you know, they always raise money for a good cause. So you know, obviously you always want to donate some money afterwards. But uh yep. it's always a fun time, kangaroo court. Yeah, Terry so you're Collins not pitching. actually down there. What? Who? Terry Collins was actually there this year. Terry
2: Collins! Did he manage the bullpen
0: poorly at Fantasy Camp, just like he did? No, you know, he just kind of walks around and... uh, He's an emeritus guy. Yeah, he doesn't really, you know...
2: Never would have thought Terry Collins would have become like a lifetime Mets employee. That's that one I never had on the bingo card back in uh, 2010 on that. So you... So, for those guys that know Mike played high school ball, I remember Mike and Sandlot. And I'm going to, you know, use a, I'm going to be Al Bundy for about 30 seconds. because yeah. Mike probably doesn't remember this, but I do. So I was okay. I was an okay hitter, but I wasn't high school level. I didn't put the work in that a guy like Mike did. The one thing you learn, especially when, and you just heard what Mike said, when you're a kid and you play like once a week or twice a week, you got to put the work in to play even high yeah. school ball. These guys did it the next level. Mike, you, you heard that. You were talking about that, like the work that you put in. So my Al Bundy moment is a Sunday afternoon and Mike's pitching and Mike threw hard. He threw side on He's lefty and I'm lefty. And all I remember is I got four hits off of you that day. I think your team clobbered my team. That didn't matter. I went home happy. All I can <laughs> see was that ball going to my happy zone between the the chest and the knees. Lefties like it down low. Boom. boom. I mean, first pitch, single, 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 single. And I still remember that. I still re- could see you now. And I remember <laughs> the team you played for a team called the Reds. That's the what Reds. I remember. The Reds at that point. Uh, and that was that that little ballpark that's still out there, and I think that's uh, Borough Park or Gravesend that we were playing at. I don't know if that 30, was Street. Yeah, my son actually still plays. Yeah, over there. So he still plays. So your son still plays at the St. Athanasius Field, where you have the schoolyard, the graveyard behind yes. you. So you have the, you hit foul balls into the poor cemetery over there. Yeah. Um, they've actually, I saw pictures recently online. They've manicured it a lot better than when you and I played. We didn't get yeah. we didn't get the best field conditions all the time, but. Um, that's my Al Bundy moment. So, so you go at, you're playing here. Uh, what are some of your, like, you know, you and other campers, any highlights, anybody do something great or grand or something like that? What did you, what did you guys see?
0: Yeah. So I told you, I think, uh, last week, uh, one of the players on the team hit two home runs over the fence, which was, you know, again, it's, it's, that's it's a, a shot. Deal. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like three eighty five in the big, gap.
2: Big league. Yeah. It's big league. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, you know, that's always impressive. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm um, just, you know, I'm happy the way I've been hitting. Um, again, you have guys down there who could throw mid-70s, which is, you know, still, it, it's, they're bringing it, you know, guys who played in college. Um, so I could, you know, I could still get around on a fastball. But, you know, just, again, I, I think it's more than just, you know, the stats that you play for. It's just the whole experience of getting to really feel what it's like to be a big league for a week. Um, and, and, the, and the people that you meet, you know, the the campers that come down, they become like family after, you know, you see them yeah. a couple of years. And even the players. I mean, I mentioned my son. He still plays at St. A's. You know, he goes for hitting lessons now with Kevin Baez. He goes for pitching lessons with Bill Pulsifer. You
2: great know, you guys. go down Both there. real great guys. Real great guys. Great. Kevin Baez I mean, is a great, great guy. Great Yes.
0: Guy. I mean, wonderful. I mean, he's a local Brooklyn guy. And I remember when he came up in the uh, early 90s, how big of a deal it was, you yep. know, for us living in Brooklyn, right? Yep. Um so just the way they make you, they kind of take you in, and they make even the players make you feel like a part of the family. It's um, and those are the things I think I, I cherish more than the stats. Um, so it's just, but my, fond, you know, I guess my fondest memory is still winning the championship my first year. I mean, that nothing beats that because they, now they give you rings when you win. It's
2: very hard, very hard. My it's, team got to the finals. You know, yeah. I, you know, I played I was a DH, and I think I went 0 for 4 in the championship game. And th- these guys are throwing hard. They're throwing. You know they're moving things around. It's it's not it's it's not a joke. Um, obviously, you have some people who get injuries. You always have one person yeah. tearing an ACL, so you have to yeah. be careful at that point. But I think what I didn't realize was the wood bat. Um, and really, the thing is, I always and, and, and I all that guys, you get that that sore. I mean, your thumb because you haven't been using it. Your your hands get chapped. You don't realize yeah. how how hard it is. Like you don't realize how hard this game is until yeah. you're even at the this amateur level semi-pro at best not even minor league semi-pro yeah um you don't realize how hard this game is and i think you're right i think you get an appreciation i mean the stories that i remember hearing these guys um and the guys that go there maybe they're not the biggest name so i you know there might be some people in the audience saying who cares about rajay davis eric hillman but they want to be there
0: yeah they, they do to be
2: there you know you could get a star there but if they don't want to be there you know it's it, it defeats the purpose at that point you know and uh yeah it's no, all crazy. of them do
0: all of them. And they all make the experience that much better for the for the campers um, and very they're all very welcoming. You know, and you're in the clubhouse with them. you you know, your lockers are next to the the, the ex pro ex major leaguers um, signing autographs whenever you ask. I mean, it's just uh, it's it, it really is just a whole experience. It's not just, you know, playing baseball, which is just part of it. Um, so that's why I keep going back. You know, I thought I was going to be one and done. Um, but after I won the first year and I just, I don't know, I got the edge. Now you're and...
2: doing two weeks. You get, you're get taking two weeks off from work. You're going down there. Yeah. 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 You know, a week and a half and stuff like that. So what is the, um? you know, obviously we talk Mets here and, you know, every once in a while, we like to get the fan perspective. So you're down there. Obviously you guys are focused on playing ball and your team and, 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 and you know, remembering great memories and, and former Mets, but is there any like talk about the current team between the campers? Like, What's the buzz down there? You know, even sometimes when you're down there, there you see guys working out because you know it's Port St. Lucie even the off season and whatnot. What's the buzz? Any buzz from the campers? Any talk about this Mets team? Because the off seasons kind of get underway. Aaron Nola signs with the Phillies or he signs with the Phillies. So now we're getting into rebuilding, and it looks like David uh, David Stearns took a, a pitchfork to pretty much every single part of this house. You know, like twelve roster spots now open. So um, you know, what do you? Uh, What are you guys hearing down there? What are you guys seeing? What are you guys talking about?
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may
1: vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Yeah, so I guess, you know, this time of year we see more minor leaguers than we do major leaguers. Uh, the camp used to be in January, so then we would see, like uh, one year I think we ran into you know, uh, Ioana Suspidus who was practicing. Brandon Nimmo was down there. Um, Carlos Beltran, he was, before he you know, got fired by the Mets. He was down there. Um, but I guess now it's more just the minor leaguers and the buzz this year was more just about the, you know, the current manager that the Mets hired. I think the, you know, from the pros side of it, I think, um, universally they thought it was a good hire, but, you know, we'll see how it all pans out, you know, come next year. But I think, um, you know, a lot of the campers, but more like, you know, who, who's this guy, you know, why did we get rid of buck kind of, uh, you know, mentality. But, um, at this point, I think fans just want to see a winning team. You know, they're tired of losing. You know, it's been thirty. What is it since eighty six? What is that going on? Almost forty years since almost they've 40 won.
2: Years. It, yeah,
0: I think fans and especially the campers, they they want to see another winning team. You know, they're tired of uh, always <laughs> always losing.
2: But I will say, going down there, seeing how campers like like I remembered Eric Hillman. I mean, he's a no- nobody name in Mets history, or you know, Kevin Baez, like the difference between the Mets fans and some other fans of other teams is that, and maybe I'm just saying it being biased. I think they appreciate it. I mean, look at what you, how you lit up when you remember Kevin Baez as a young Mets fan. Uh, yeah. He's from Brooklyn. You know, he was supposed to replace when Kevin Elster got hurt. He was going to be on the postseason roster if the Mets had made the playoffs in 1990. Um, I think that there's an appreciation. And I think the Mets pulled that off pretty well where you don't have to just be a member of the 86 team. You don't just have to be, you know daniel murphy or strawberry or doc you know and and look at doc doc is the pinnacle of you know maybe the best pitcher in mets history next to Seaver, and he's down there like one of the guys you know he's yeah. he's approachable so you know it's 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 pretty cool that you can have a fan base that could appreciate you know a lot of that stuff so
0: no absolutely yeah listen i remember
2: every Hillman. i
0: remember i all the mets down there i remember every one of them um like I said, they're all
2: very humble, um, surreal a little bit. Sometimes when you're, it you're, is. you're up again, you know, I remember just being next to these guys. I'm like, wow, I remember listening to you on the radio or, you know, I know. something like that. That's weird. And, and
0: I think what people don't realize is, you know, you stand next to, you know, I'm five, eight, you know, and you stand next to someone like Eric Hillman, who I think was one of the tallest or the tallest sure. player in baseball, or even Kevin, right? Kevin, he was, you know, he's six foot, whatever he is. And they're, their shoulders are broad, their hands are big, right? These guys are athletes, right? They've, they've played multiple sports. They just didn't focus on baseball. These guys, you know, they made it to the, to the major leagues for a reason, you know, and it's, you know, I, again, I don't think fans actually realize that until you're down there talking with them and understanding all the work that has to be put in just to get to that level. Um, it's what is it, less than one percent that actually Garth. plays major league baseball. It's it's not easy. And when and when players, you know, in the early nineties, late eighties, right, there were fewer teams, you know, fewer positions out there. So it was a lot harder to make the majors. And it's um yeah, you know, I don't think fans always think of it like that. So um I think that's what I've learned the most out of my past few years going
2: down. Do you guys play with the new rules with the you know, the the, the three batters and you can only throw over twice and the pitch clock or you guys told us. No, no pitch
0: clock. Um, No. So it, it's kind of very, um, you know, the rule to cut back. We play seven innings, no stealing, no pickoffs. Um,
2: I don't think you could take a lead, right? I think you have to stay on the base. If I
0: no, what. you could take a lead up to like the cutout in the, on, the, you know, the grass cutout in mm-hmm. uh, extra innings. There's a runner on second, although we didn't have any extra innings this week. Um, no 3 batter limit. I mean, at that point, you know, you're looking for any pitching down there, so they can't right. really limit the the arms. Um, but, yeah, uh, the bases are bigger. It's kind of weird because, you, you know, seeing the bases up close, they How actually they look bigger. They, they look bigger. They're yeah, they,
2: What do they you think of that big. as a former player? See, I didn't like that. See, to me, I think the biggest impact on the rules this past season – was the the two pickoffs. I think that's why games were quicker. I'm not yeah. sure the 18 to 20 seconds made that much of a difference. I mean maybe it, it sped up the pace. I think the pickoff scenario, I'm not a big fan of the bigger bases, but even from that standpoint with that, the stolen bases kind of reverted back to what they were 20 years ago. So it's not like you saw a a, a different game than we've seen this game before, but when you see it, you know, who knows what happens going forward as a former player, I mean, is there a big difference in terms of, of the game itself, or is it more just a safety thing in your opinion?
0: It's probably a safety, uh, a safety thing. In my opinion, Uh, it looks, they do look bigger. I played first a couple innings and it is is easier for a first baseman, I think to find the bag Um, and I could see how it could make a difference with the stolen bases. I mean, it, it, you know, when you actually see them up close, you know, you could see the difference between the old bases and the new bases. So Uh,
2: those couple inches, uh, Those couple inches uh, make a difference. So one of the themes of today's show is that uh, the Mets and the Yankees potentially both going after the same player. So, you know, uh, obviously David Stearns just started, uh, and I said a pitchfork, took a sledgehammer to some of the team. I don't know where I got the pitchfork out of there. Um, But Yoshinobi Yamamoto, big-time pitcher, Japanese pitcher, and the Mets have never gone head-to-head against the Yankees. For free agents they they didn't go head to head on mike mucina they didn't go head to head on giambi yankees claim they let them hit them have beltron they didn't get in on to or sabathia uh Mm -hmm. you know going all the way back to the 70s i mean the mets weren't going to compete with the yankees for reggie jackson so this is the first time you may see a mets yankees showdown Mm -hmm. on yamamoto you know maybe going to trade for soto As a Mets fan, what does that make you feel like this is the Mets chance with Steve Cohen to finally say, okay, forget the past, you know, forget about just hanging out this end of the pool and signing Kevin Apier. Let's go after them one-on-one money money. Let's see who this guy prefers. Does he prefer the, uh, the, you know, the new age team in Flushing or the, you know, Rockefeller steel industry of the Yankees, you know? So what are your thoughts on that?
0: Listen, the Mets obviously pitching, um, you know, the, the thing I start to been thinking lately is our team's using Cohen and the Mets just to kind of drive up prices, right. Knowing how much money he has. Right. So, um, you know, I guess you never know what you're going to get with one of these players. Um, but look, they need pitching. Um, I guess Nola's off the market now. Um, I wasn't a big
2: Nola fan. I'm not a Blake Snell fan. I think for the years and the money, um, I'd stay away on those. I think Yamamoto, you know, Jordan Montgomery, and I think you're going to see a lot of value off Frankie Montes a Luis Severino, uh, uh, Ryu, you know maybe Kent Maeda. You know I think the Mets. You're going to have to trust the analytics department at this point and their player development guys and their scouts to say, hey, this is. Uh, it's like that bin. You know I'm going to date myself. It's like you're going through the CD bin. Remember when they had the CDs on sale back in the day? Yeah. And you'd go and you said, let's and you'd find it. Uh, oh, this is Nirvana. Look at this. What is this doing in the bin? And all of a sudden you got a great a great treasure. That's kind of what I think David Stearns is going to be doing this off season.
0: Yeah, well, they had two big hires yesterday, right, for the front office, yep. two scouting guys, right? So, Yeah, um...
2: Andy Green, player development, Chris Gross, who, if you look at the Astros, I mean, they have the most players, the best first-round picks with the most production and the most players that um, have made the major leagues from the draft. Now, the Mets have had some good success with their top picks, but right. not really good success with depth. I mean, they we, we've talked about this on the show a billion times. I mean, could you give me a backup outfielder? Could you give me a middle reliever? They can't. They haven't. And that becomes a problem, especially when you're going out and you have to sign, you know, every reliever is getting 8 to $10 million, like an Adam Adovino, a David Robertson, things like that. So, um, yeah, so is there a wish list? I mean, how deep, as a Mets fan, you're a pretty hardcore Mets fan, but you're getting older now. Yeah. Are you still deep into the hot stuff? Are you still into it? Uh, You know, are you, uh, you know, are you still like, you know, when you and I were back on 1240 AM WGBB there during that 07 season? You know, he's still hardcore into the Mets at this point or as fatherhood and life kind of, you know, swayed you in a different direction. And like, no, all right, I a... am,
0: I am. And I think a lot of it is because my son is a really big Mets fan. I mean, uh, again, he loves coming down to camp, meeting the pros. Um, but yes, I am. And he keeps me on my toes with it. He, he wants, you know, he wants Otani here, but you know, he's that's also 10 happen. years old. And I, yeah. Yeah, I, listen, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Um, look. It's funny. I watch him as a 10 year old. And when I was nine, the Mets won in 86, right? So he's at Mm -hmm. that age that he wants to root, it wants to, you know, root for a winning team. And, you know, I I feel like that's when fans are made. And, you know, when the Yankees were successful a couple of years ago, he's like, why can't we root for the Yankees? You know, I'm like, well, because we're Mets fans in this house. Really? See, that's a
2: scary thing because a generation of Yankee fans, young kids came about in 1996, maybe kids who were. That's right. Children of Mets fans from the 80s. That's gotcha. right. Um, and I look at you and I, you know, look, I'm a big Knicks fan, a big Mets fan. I started watching sports like 86, 87. And my early years in sports were the Mets of the 80s. Um, and then they had that brief down period in the 90s. Then you had the late 90s Mets. We were a fun team. The Knicks from 87 yeah. until about 2002 had a great run. And now since the turn of the century, you and I have had some highs and some lows. And it, I think the no biggest thing... Yeah, Yeah, I think if I had to tell your son one thing, like, this (laughs) thing is hard. Winning is hard. And if you look at the lesson from fantasy camp, winning and playing is hard. Success is hard. And I know that people are going to roll their eyes. But I think uh, enjoying the process. Like, you had, you just said two weeks of 1-7 baseball. So you played 16 games. You lost 14 of those games. Yeah. But it sounds like you had a good time. And you enjoyed yourself. And that's not the loser mentality. You enjoyed the process. You weren't good enough. Whoever drafted your team and who was your manager? Was it, uh, who was the manager?
0: So week one was Raphael Santana and Dylan G and Dylan week two G was Lenny. Ha- yeah. Lenny Harris, Lenny and, Harris, uh, crash McCray, Ronnie McCray, crash yep.
2: McCray. If anybody wants to go look at crash McCray, I think he was playing for Indianapolis when he ran through a wall, um, uh, yep. chasing a fly ball back when, uh, you had some real rickety outfielders there in the minor league. Lenny Harris, great pinch hitter. Some great Mets luminaries. They got to learn how to draft better. They got my man <laughs> Mike Amaraboli, and nothing else over there, right? So <laughs> no, we had some good players. I just think you know it's just
0: the way it is, like you said, right? You you, you try. You know, one week we had uh, you know no hitting. The next week we had no pitching or no right. defense. But you know, listen, we had good players, and you know it was. uh
2: What's your personal highlight week? over the years? That's something you did on the field uh, or or a situation that you have at fantasy camps. Like I said, well
0: winning winning the championship in my first year that was that was the most special, you know, moment for me, but personally as far as i don't know i've had a couple of good catches that i was proud of one in the championship game that i uh that i got on video which was pretty cool i hit a home run a couple of years ago i hit another one this year over the over the fence Um, not inside the no mike please are you kidding me i'm not that strong i'm a oh uh, you (laughs) know
2: inside the parker okay we'll get inside the park which um
0: so i think just you know i think my overall i'm just proud of kind of like that i could still play after all these years you know i uh I feel like I've been pretty consistent down there. Um, And I actually, a few years ago, I guess from a personal standpoint, is I received in 2021, I received the uh, Anthony Young Award, which they give out
2: to one player a year. Anthony Young was um, at my camp. Yeah, yeah. died too soon, died too
0: soon. Yeah, so he passed away in 17, right after my first camp. And I didn't really get to know him that well. Um, But I think he announced in my camp that he had Uh, Brain cancer during the camp, he mentioned it. So I went down the first week, and then his team won actually in the second week. And then since then, they've been giving out an award in his in his name um, for what they call like the Good Guy Award, which is a guy who kind of symbolizes, um, you know, family values, good teammate, you know, loves the Mets, uh,
2: overall good guy. And I actually won that award uh, in
0: 2021. Most
2: probably the most snake bitten Met. He oh, lost 1-15 yeah. as a starter and reliever, and you know, coming out of the bullpen. You know, statistically now, it would be looked at differently because most of his losses came after, yeah. like, losing came out of the bullpen. Yeah, he was a starter, but then he became a closer when Johnny Franco was hurt for a while, and then the next year out of the bullpen. Analytically, we'd look at it different, but, a, you know, great guy, enjoyed being down there, died too soon yeah Um, way too much all right one last thing before we wrap up i know right, you got to go right. so you got to remember our days of that rickety <clears throat> old station in in babylon yes uh, you know the first six months of what at that point was uh new york baseball talk so when i start this wild ride i decide to do a radio show in on 1240 am wgbb i get free the fan as a sponsor don't ask guys if you want to look it up i don't even think you can find them anymore um way ahead of the time like i could do this better than the guys on the fan, so I don't know how you and I started talking. You're like, "Can I come down to the station?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Why not? Do you really want to drive from <laughs> Queens to?" And you did every Sunday night until we we took it virtually. You know, after six months, right. you know, went online at that point. Um, wh- I have, I think I know what my favorite memory of you and I. did. you did a great Brooklyn Dodgers segment at one time. I think your, did your grandfather, your dad was a big Brooklyn Dodger fan. Is that My father was yes. So yes. you you come from a Brooklyn Dodgers family. See, my dad yes. came here from europe so he became a mets fan in the 60s because he didn't like the yankees and his brother liked the yankees yeah um you have the brooklyn dodger lineage so right. i remember that so give me i have what i think would be my favorite moment with you you tell me what if you remember can you remember or have you blocked out that that horrible <laughs> that, that rickety station in the middle of nowhere over there you
0: know? no no i i remember it uh very good mike i think my favorite memory was when we wasn't Daryl, Strawberry when we tried Strawberry to get called him? in, yeah, we well, had him calling I think it was in from the Subway
2: Series, wasn't yes, it? Yes, I still have that clip. I think I played that clip, and I think at the newsletter, I might start posting some old clips for those who subscribe. You know, because they're cool. They're not all relevant anymore, but they're cool. Right. Um, here's my favorite on that note. Yes, yeah, Strawberry calling in after he left Shea Stadium, the Mets were playing the Yankees. If I remember That's correctly, right. yep. and I have to go to Baseball Reference. Tyler Clippard may have started for the Yankees that day. Tyler Clippard. That's what I'm trying to remember. Yes, I, I remember him pitching in the game. I and, and I remember, I remember saying, this well. guy, Tyler Clippard, it can't, Mets can't lose this game with Tyler Clippard. Next. Yes. Yeah, I think yes. he shut them down or something. Yes. I can't, I can't remember. I remember I being remember so that. frustrated. I have to go to baseball reference. Sunday Shame night, on me. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on me on this whole thing. So here's my other one. So I set up through Gary Carter's foundation, a Gary Carter to call in on a yep. Sunday night, early April. And I spoke to the foundation and I said to myself, I, I don't know if he's going to call. So that's the stress of that. At that point, I'm a nobody. I don't know what I'm doing. So I set up and there's no way I could do what I do today. Like a 30 minute segment, just talking about yeah. him. I like, I couldn't do that back then. I was not prepared for that. Um, and we get the show to go on the air. It's like two minutes before. And I'm like, I don't know if he's going to call all of a sudden I see, a block number on my cell phone. I'm about to go in the air. I throw my cell phone over to you. I'm like, I think that might, and sure (laughs) enough, it was Gary. If you remember the late Gary Carter, God rest his soul, the late Gary Carter. And I think you, so you were always the guy that would pick it up and start talking to them, which is kind of cool. Cause at that point, 2007, it's kind of surreal the whole thing. Right. So that whole thing. And uh, we had Gary on and here's what I remember about Gary and people could pick it up. I played that, uh, that clip. I kept hanging on to Gary for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the 20 minute mark. He can't wait to get rid of me. (laughs) And uh, he's like my, I think he gave us like my batteries dying or something like that. (laughs) Kind of one of those, one of those things. And, um, and, and that, that's how this thing. So I have it up by the way. Uh, What is this? Is this, is this it on Tyler? Yep. Tyler Clippard, my friend, he went six innings, one run, three walks, beat the Mets. The Mets lost the game. Six to two,
1: close. six yeah. to two. Okay, we yeah.
2: were close. So you remember? So once in a while, and John Main started for the Mets that day. So you remember for some reason you remember certain things. So anyway, I'm jumping around. I had this up. Gary Carter, that was my memory. And you kind of, and I kind of hand you my phone, and he's like, "Yeah." You were like, and you were <laughs> trying to figure that. out how to get him from my cell phone to. The station phone, which that phone line wasn't always reliable. That was right, crazy. right, right. And I, I would record the guy's it. name who was in there. He was Dave like, Lefkowitz. Dave, He's still on Dave, Dave Lefkowitz. Yeah. And he would like – and then Dave was the engineer. He'd like get angry and freak out. But then Strawberry called in. He loved Strawberry. This guy knew nothing about baseball, but he knew Strawberry. And that right. goes to show you the transcendent nature of Strawberry. So anyway, yep. that's good stuff. Well, Mike, you've been so generous. This is so much fun. Mets, if you guys are listening and you have a chance, you have the money, you have the time, you have the time off from work, check out Mets Fantasy Camp. I'm assuming they're pretty much sold out, right, Mike? Or is it tough? Yeah, to get?
0: there's this waiting list now. So, wow. Um, yeah, wow. that's why they went to two weeks. So when I first did it in 17, there were there were just 60 guys in the second week. And now,
2: so now you'd have a couple of year waiting list, I would assume, right? Yeah. So
0: in? sign up early and, uh, you know, wow, they sign up early. Do- they do mini camps too, where they do like a three or four day camp um, in Port St. Lucie, one in Syracuse during the year. In between, well, they used
2: to do them in January. Now they yes. moved this to before the holidays. So I yeah,
0: because they I think it was too tough with the players coming in uh, right after us. So um, but now they do mini camps: one in April, one in August. One the one in April in Port St. Lucie, four day tournament, um, four teams, and then one in Syracuse in August, right. same thing. Well,
2: so here's the on promise: those- you tell your son. It it does get better. He's only ten. Yeah. You and I have dealt with the hard stuff. We dealt with Terry Pendleton's home run. We dealt yeah. with Mike Solskjaer's <laughs> home run. We dealt with Kenny Rogers' uh, uh, walk off. Uh, we dealt with uh, you know oh six seven oh seven oh six and the uh, yeah. and and Yadier Molina, twenty fifteen Terry Collins ruining the bullpen and then all this stuff. So we've we've already absorbed for the next generation. This is the Cohen Mets. It's going to only get better. So tell your son, it's going to get better. So I hope but, so, uh, Mikey. And I'm going to say, so this is what I'll leave it. Back in the day, they used to give an Arbitron watch to guests on the show. Remember when the Mets go going yes. on with Bob Murphy? I'm giving you a free one-year subscription to the newsletter. That's my thank you to you. So uh, don't tell anybody because okay. now people listen and go, hey, Mike, I've been listening to you for 10 years. I can't give you all free. i got to make some, you know, cover some expenses. <laughs> so you're not going to get an Arbitron watch. You're not going to get, you know, one of those cheesy gift certificates to some, you know, Rusty's restaurant. Remember, Rusty's restaurant. I'm going to yes. give you a free a free newsletter for coming on. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again. All Same right? to
0: you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, buddy.
2: That's Mike Amaraboli, a good friend of mine. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Something different, you know. We kind of know we're setting up the hot stove here. It's starting to catch, you know, it's not like with the middle of winter meetings we're doing that, but I thought he just came back from Mets fantasy camp. I thought you guys would enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed it. We're just trying to riff a little bit talk. I know a couple of weeks back, Steve Keen and I did something like that. Some of you liked it, some of you didn't. I would like to do more of it. I'm trying to get new voices, fans, you know, nobody in in the business, but I thought it'd be curious to talk about that. Talked a little bit about his son, the experience of being a Mets fan as a 10 year old now versus when he and I grew up you know, some personal stories and, and what have you. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at the com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at com. No G, Mike Silva at com. You can get me on Instagram, Mets, no G. And of course, check out the newsletter, Substack.com slash at no G seven-day free trial. You'll love it. I promise it. And I always want to thank the good folks on the Fan sided Podcasting Network for hosting the show. I'm yours, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Don't eat too much turkey this Thanksgiving. Till then, take care, everybody. Meet
1: the Mets. Meet 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 the Mets. Head for the party.